This is the Ask a Death Doula podcast, a platform of free education on how to have the best end-of-life experience possible by knowing how to live your best life now. With experienced hospice, oncology, and wellness nurse, Suzanne B. O'Brien. Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of Ask a Death Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. Thank you so much for being here. We have a very special guest on this podcast, as you can tell. This is Glenn Klausner. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background on Glenn, and then I'll ask him some questions, and we'll be able to get a really good insight on the magical work that he does. And also, we, at the end of this podcast, are going to announce something very special to you all. So I met Glenn a few times in passing in New York City, and most of you know that I moved to a new apartment on the west side about two years ago, and I've been seeing Glenn. He happens to live right on my magical block, which I love. And one day we got to talking a bit more, and we found that we had a lot of things in common. And so I told him that I was a end-of-life practitioner, created doula givers, but have worked with so many people at the end of life, and they're elderly, and Glenn is a very, very prominent medium. So it was very interesting. We had these conversations about, for me, about giving validation to what my patients are telling me at the end of life. And I often share this with, with you. Obviously, in the training, I share it. But I share it in other ways as well, that life doesn't end when we have that death experience. And my patients will share what's happening with them, being visited by loved ones that have died already, saying what they feel they're going to. They often call it a home, a universal home. And Glenn was saying, well, you know, a lot of times he gets messages from people who have died to the people that he's reading. So I thought, wow, how fantastic to kind of have a podcast and talk about this. So thank you, Glenn, for being here. It's wonderful to have you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me here you today, Any Anytime. So let's start with when did you realize that you had this gift? I was really little. I was about okay. four okay. years of age, okay. and uh, that's where I f kind of first recognized where, where, where I really knew I had it was mm. when I was a teenager. Okay, so let's, can I ask you a question? When you were very little, did it seem natural to you? Did it seem odd that you were different? Or do you feel that every child has a little bit of that kind of access to a bigger picture, so to speak? Every child, every person has access to the bigger picture. For me, it was very normal because the first person I ever saw in my childhood home was my maternal grandfather, who I didn't know. He passed a few years before I was born, and I saw him walking around the house. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty neat. Um, I've done a lot of reading up on, on this, and I don't want to call it a phenomenon of people at the end of life seeing their loved ones who've passed already. Because I feel, again, I've done a lot of reading and research, and it really is based in science. It's based in the law of physics, that we are energetic beings. And the first rule of energy, which is um, like fifth grade science, by the way, is that it's matter. So energy is matter. And matter cannot be destroyed. It can only change its form to a solid, a liquid, or a gas. So it sort of made sense to me really clearly what was happening was really happening based in science. And then I was reading that most children, you know, they have their imaginary friends or they're seeing things. And it's very funny because I saw a baby 
either today or yesterday, probably yesterday, who had this very like, they like, they notice everything in their little carriages. They're reading energy. They're looking at everything and reading energy of people and who, and is something safe or not safe, like little babies. So it's something that's very, I feel like natural and organic. And then I feel like we lose it. Yeah. So you, you want to know why that is? I, yeah, I'd like to hear your... <laughs> so as, as children, we're all basically that free. Like when we come in, there's a, a blank slate and everything, like like this word here on the wall, doula givers, it's like, let's say it was all blank, for instance. Yeah. That's, that's us. And as we grow uh, and mature, we're still pretty free, but then all these programs start to get instilled in us and they start to, we become these abstracts of ideas and those abstracts of ideas start to form the identity, the personality, and much of it's not even us, to tell you the truth. So that starts to now become the... Benchmark. Exactly. For what we... And then, and then children start to now move away from the true source where they were, which was this being uh, non-separated from source energy mm. and that pure positive mm. love, mm. and now is in this different vibration here. I love this. Okay, because you all have heard me talk about when people are going back, that they talk about going back to that unconditional, loving, one energy. And these are people who didn't talk about this or believe in or even know what, they're, what these terms mean. And even people who have been in cultures and religions, that they have been practicing a certain set way, would start to see this bigger picture of this unconditional, loving, non-judgmental energy that we're all connected to. So you, right, are bringing it in with the children, which is correct, and, and, making, and we go back to that. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? So for me, wanting to have you on the show and work with you is because there's so much heartache and fear surrounding end of life and... I really always want to share the education of what I've learned and seen because it gives people comfort and sometimes it can help them to heal a little bit of their wounds when they feel that they might never see that person again, they have regrets, they wish they had been there or said something or, or did you know things differently. And I want them to know that that moment is not missed, that it continues on and on, that our loved ones just from an energetic standpoint you know, even just thinking about how much we love them and, and thinking about them, they, they're available to us in that sense right away. So it's great to sort of have like you with more of a clear line to that, that energy, um, you know, being able to share the experiences. Yes. But as I always tell people, even when they go, oh, you're my, the, I'm, they'll say that I'm their way to their loved one. I always tell them, yeah. no, I am not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the way to your loved ones. Yes. And I'm just that facilitator in the, in the middle of the media, whatever you want to call it, that is just doing what I'm doing. But really, you are the way to your loved ones. I think that's beautiful because, again, I feel like we all have the ability to be open if we're not, if we're looking. And I think that our loved ones, from what I've heard from, you know, families will share with me so many stories after that person has died as well. Like they call coincidences, and I don't believe in coincidences. Um, one of the really telling things is one of the the mother of one of the uh, children that was in, you know, that unfortunate incidents um, in Connecticut in Newtown. After that little one died, she was getting messages all over, and it was bringing her such peace in her heart, and she was open to them, um, and they were incredible, like they, they were very powerful. But I think that we have that happening all the time. So I love that you said you're the one 
that's in connection if you would just watch or be open to it. Just being open-hearted yeah. and open-minded. Yeah. And that helps, and that's what it makes information coming from spirit so much easier. Yeah. Because they're sending these different signals and thoughts and, and uh, even signs or whatever you want to call them. But when you're open to it, open heart and open minded, it's easier. When you're closed, it's tougher. You know why through. I think And it's too. no different than with the living. Because if you're close to the living, it's the same <laughs> issue. So it's no different whether you're physical or yes. non-physical. So be open minded and be loving and be open. But I think what you said is great because um, it's a vibration. So let's talk about that. So, all right. So I had, I have done a lot of talks on the experiences that I've had at the end of life with my patients, what they've said, what I've seen, what they have said they've seen. And people will say, well, it's really nice, but can you prove that? And I'm like, hmm. Well, I guess I can't prove it to you right now. But then I thought, can you prove that that didn't happen, what they're saying? But then we can prove it. So if you really want to go in, and I've done so much research on this so that I could find some foundational proof that energy and, and all that um, can manifest and be what we're seeing and experiencing. And it's based in physics, the law of physics. So to make this as simple as I can to explain, and you can, you can add in on this, but energy is happening all around us. We live in an energetic universe. We live on planet Earth, three-dimensional, so I can see the couch and, and Glenn and he can see me. But there are things going on on a vibrational level that I can't see with my eye. I guess Glenn can because he's one of those magical people and other people can, can get um, signs and see things at times. But it's all based on frequency. So if you, the best way to say it, if you were a radio antenna, and a radio dial. If you had the correct, if the dial was set to something that aligned with your energy, you would have that connection. You can't see it. You can't see those radio waves, but you can hear them. I hope that makes sense. So very much based, okay, so based- Very in, true. Yeah, so which, which is what we're gonna go over and, and I'm gonna be teaching that in the life class, but really this is all scientifically based. In fact, Nikola Tesla said, if you really want to know the answers to the universe, base it and find out it in science. He said, it's all there. Just understand energy. So there's lots of documentation. It's not out there. It's not crazy. It's actually the normal way or the real way that it is. Or the paranormal way. I like that. I thought he was <laughs> going to come up with something when he was doing that. He was looking at me. Um, yeah, so for me, I do really, again, there's such a fear of death in this society at this time that trying to help people to overcome that, um, and also we don't plan on end of life, so it happens very quickly, and then there's so much complicated grief attached to that, and I just want people to have hope, and even if they have these wounds from the past where they have these regrets, somebody died and they couldn't be there, or they're their relationship wasn't the way it should be, or they miss them terribly. I can't give them that physical hug and I can't get over that, that feeling of loss. I, I really want us to know that I feel like there's so much more going on here and that we will always be connected to, to everything. Always. And the fear of death is probably something that's going back for many, many centuries. We're just unaware of it because we're living in the current times. But throughout history, people probably have had a fear of death. And everything that we've ever been connected to, even people that are entertainers that we grew up listening to and that we love and admire, 
we could watch, let's say, if they were actors, or and we could watch them and still in film form or music and listen to the music mm-hmm. format, and still see that and still feel like, oh, they're alive, and they, in a sense, they are. So it's still there, you know. Yeah. So I get that, and I get that.、Um, you know, what I want people to know too is that you can always access the memories and what that person gave to you and your relationship at any time. It's always there for you. If you sit quietly, you can literally feel them with you. You know, feel that love because it's the most powerful thing that there is. So your journey. When did you decide to actually become like a professional medium? Did that sort of find you, as most、mm-hmm. of our callings kind of happen that way? And well, as a joke I've made one time on a radio show, the minute I dyed my hair jet black, that's when it all changed. <laughs>、um, that's just a joke. That's it's cute. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. <laughs> Great hair. By Thank the you. Way. Thank you.、Uh, <laughs> I mean, I always had it as a little boy, but my whole thing starting out early, which I've said in many interviews, is that, and I still do music. I wanted to be a musician.、Mm-hmm. So, and music and mediumship are so similar; they really are because of the vibration and channeling words.、Oh, I love that. Words. I love music. Oh yeah, yeah channeling、yeah. music, where it comes from, channeling, you know, lyrics, and it's very similar. So, when、uh, When I got to probably my late teens, it, it was starting to happen more. And then a, a friend of mine, she had passed away. She was a person that got me my very first job. She was more like an aunt to me, and I saw her in my then home.、Uh, I was twenty at the time, so I still had no desire <coughs> to be a meme. I, I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I knew psychics. My mom was into psychics. My my mom was very psychic herself, as well as my my mom's mom, my grandmother. So when I got into my early twenties. And thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And this whole kind of thing, <laughs> I would sometimes like hang out with friends like yourself, and all of a sudden be giving messages, whether it was about their love life or any other、yeah. you know, things, or spirits were coming through. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And、uh, I didn't mean to make you cry. It's, I'm getting very emotional、um, now. <laughs> don't, in the words of Mike Myers and Coffee Talk, don't get verklempt. <laughs> so,、uh, but anyway, so you that whole thing when friends were saying that this is what you should do. I was like, no, no, no! And I kind of poo-pooed the whole idea. But then I was in Florida visiting my dad and my stepmother, who were on Earth at the time. And my stepmother, my dad didn't even know of my abilities. So, to make a long story short, one day my stepmother took me for a ride in town and brought me to this new age, known as a metaphysical shop, and it said Planet Earth. This is in Fort Myers, Florida. And I look, you know, <laughs> see this, and I look over to my stepmother because she was driving the car. I go. Dolores, I go. Are you into this stuff? She goes, Yeah, but I feel I was meant to bring you here. I go, Why is that? She goes, Something just told her that I was meant to meet the people there, and I did. And funny thing was, four years later, when I moved to Florida, I actually got a job working in this New Age bookstore, a metaphysical bookstore called Planet Earth, and that's where I really got a big start. I started here in New York, but when I went to Florida, it really took off, and I was getting. I was first of all I was the youngest person working in there. I was the only male medium in there as well, and so my clientele just started to get really big. I was getting lots of kinds of press and being on radio and all kinds of things. So that was going on 20 years ago. Yeah, that, that happened. Even though yeah, I've been doing,、wow. even though I've been doing readings prior, so it's now going on 25 years. But it was amazing to me, and that once. Really, the thing is that once I made that commitment that this is what I was going to do, when I looked at people were putting me on my path, I kept meeting different people. They were saying you should be a medium and this whole thing. I looked at it as there was no accident, no coincidence. Sure. People were divinely guiding me, and once I made that commitment, like this is what I'm going to do with my life, the doors just opened easily. Okay, I love that. So a couple of things I want to highlight here because this is really important for everyone listening is that 
the knowing. You have your own, what I call internal GPS. When you are in that vibrational space of, you know, that unconditional love, no judgment, just being open and pure, it directs you really to where you're supposed to go. Now you will, your Dolores had that feeling. I'm mm. supposed to take you here. And she honored that. And then you said the minute that you committed to that and said, okay, everything. So that's what I call like being in the pocket of alignment with your purpose. Like that was where you're supposed to be. And probably everything felt easy and like perfect at that time. Cause that's what happened with me in hospice. Yeah. Like the minute that, and I knew this, I was, I would go on my way to nursing school and I passed the hospice building and said, I'm going to work there one day. And I had no idea why I was saying that at the time. I had no idea. And I followed it. And the fir very first day I worked on hospice and I went to see patients, I said, I am in exactly the right place where I'm supposed to be. And it felt like the piece of the puzzle and it was the best thing ever. So I love to share this because everyone has their purpose and your alignment. And it's just a question of listening to that and being open and finding it, which really will put you in that beautiful place. So that's so exciting. And then you were down there and it all kind of opened up for you. Um, what do people most come to you for? Are they seeking certain things? Are there like the top three things that people ask um, do they always want to connect with loved ones that have passed or do they want to know, will I win the lottery? Will I, you know what I mean? Like the more All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a mixture. Most people that seek me out seek because they want to communicate to a loved one or loved yeah. ones that have passed on and knowing that they're still around and all these kinds of things. Sure. And, and that's very understandable and common. And then there's the people that are just not interested in talking to deceased loved ones. They want to know the, the psychical side of stuff, which spirits will give me anyway when I'm doing a reading. So, yeah. you know, whether it's about someone's career or their health sure. or love life or whatever. And a lot of times there'll, there'll be the clients that just seek me out for those last three things, you know, that deal with their love life or career or yeah. even health concerns. Okay. So for the people who are seeking to talk to past loved ones, do, do they want to know, are they okay? It, you know what? It, oh yeah, all the time. I think that that's one of our main things, or two that sometimes something is left unsaid yeah. or undone, and yeah. they want to forgive. And I find it really beautiful how, when we cross over, how like all of the human aspects of like anger, resentment, guilt, and all that, you know, just go away, and we're able to purely, unconditionally say I'm sorry or please forgive me, or all those beautiful things, and it gives people great closure and peace. Mm -hmm. I can tell you from my own personal experience that when my mom transitioned, about six hours after she had passed, she came to me, and I saw her on a, kind of like a pedestal, and her mom and her dad were on each side of her, and my mom looked like she did when she was 16 or 17 years mm. of age, so I, of course I recognized it because I've had plenty of yes. pictures of her like that. Yes. And I saw her talking to this council of spirits, like, like, like almost think, think of like the, the Last Supper table. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was watching this whole thing. I couldn't hear what they were saying to her. I couldn't hear what she was saying to them. I saw her like nodding and she was talking to them. So when that ended, that scene, my grandparents dispersed, that table of people dispersed. My mom had turned to me, first of all, suggesting that I eat something because I had not eaten and from even the moment I woke up. And I asked her, was that your guides or something, you know, that were talking? She said, yes, I couldn't hear you. They mm -hmm. said what you weren't meant to. But I said, what, what, what did they ask you? She said, they only asked me one thing. I go, what's that? She goes, they asked me, what did I learn about unconditional love when I was on earth? I go, your conversation with them seemed very quick. She goes, to you it seemed quick. <laughs> and so 
basically, from what I know, if you think, hey, what happens when you cross over? Well, one of the things is, of course, after you get the orientation, you see people that you knew, whether you had a great relationship with them or not. When you're briefed with your uh, guides, if you will, mm -hmm. what some call it an ethereal council, there's a lot of different words for it, but when you're met up with those guys, they really will ask you the same question they asked my mom, what did you learn about love or unconditional love? And that's really what it all boils back down to, what did we learn about love? Love to ourselves and then love to others. You know, they're not going to ask you, hey, how was that Mercedes Benz you drove? They know. The spirits know how that Mercedes Benz is. They want to know, did you ever give your... Did you give your mother a ride in that Mercedes-Benz to go get groceries? You know, things mm. like that as an example. So this is so interesting because we haven't had this particular conversation about this. My, what my patients are talking to me about, what I firmly believe is that this whole journey and experience is to learn how to love, to love unconditionally. And there's two types, to love others and to love yourself. You know, we're really hard on ourselves. And every, I feel like every relationship, every everything we encounter is a road to get there. And there are difficult things that we go through. And if you can find the non-judgment and the, the learning of that lesson and even loving someone else who has done something wrong to you, that is unconditional love. And that is what they want to know. And I, and I know there's no judgment when they're in their counsel, even though it sounds like it's very intimidating, I'm sure, to us it is. <laughs> sounds um, like it. <laughs> so just to clarify on that, Pete, there has been, um, you know, people have said this, that you have guides, angels that work with you your whole experience. And that, you know, there's often times that they say, ask for help, you know, to God source energy. But they, are, they literally say that you have guides that help you along this earth journey and there's so many great examples of that where you see a situation that there's no way that that could have turned out like that person should have died or that I mean I always believe that that was an intervention from because it was not meant to happen because there's like no way that things could have gone the way that they went unless something was happening and I think that that's a great mm -hmm. but I think when you are quiet in your silence and you hear that voice that's your highest GPS guiding you right and try not to rationalize things mentally feel them and if you're knowing that it's the right thing for you to do to move to a city or to go with this person or to do that job or just to go make a phone call I was telling you about I was telling Glenn about an experience that I had where I was doing our death cafe over here and I had this in my my head it was saying go visit one of the older ladies in our neighborhood and I tend to visit her sometimes but I don't do it at night like that I usually do it like early evening in the afternoon so it was it was unusual so I was like okay I felt that really strongly when I went there she op she lives alone she opened her door and her bathroom was over flooding and I had just got there and this woman lives alone and also sits at the window, that place would have been flooded within hours. So, you know, I had gotten there and the water was just trickling and we stopped it and I cleaned up the bathroom and it was like, that was just to me, again, listening to, and I, I always follow that wherever I'm supposed to go. So can you share any reading that you've done that you feel really just to you was like, wow, that's going to really change that person's, you know, just for the healing or um, I think when we sometimes know that there's more to this experience, we tend to change the way we live our life and it has a greater value and a sense of gratitude. 
Um, do you have any example of any of that, or you probably have? They're probably all examples of that. Okay, <laughs> silly question. Sorry. No, no, it's, like, no, it's not a silly question. And did you know that in the 11th century, the word "silly" meant to be blessed or lucky? Somebody changed that yeah. word along the way. So okay. I like when somebody says silly question. I'm I like, like it. It's a great question. That's why they say there's no such things, but they should be like, it's right. blessed. So what are you saying? Is there any particular reading that where the reading changed someone's life? Well, that you feel that that was like, and I know that you do this and all of them are of value, but you know, sometimes like there's a, a, an experience that I have with a family and a patient at the end where I'm just like, that whole scenario is going to change the way those people live for the rest of their lives because, because they were able to feel that unconditional love and be in the presence of something greater than we know it on earth. Well, there's so many readings. I've done thousands of them. But if I had to probably draw from my experiences of one that is outside of my own personal, mm -hmm. yeah. it would probably be the first 9-11 spirit that I dealt with. Okay. Do you want me to elaborate? Yeah. Can you? Sh yes, please. Sure. So uh, <clears throat> I was in Florida when 9-11 happened. I am a native New Yorker. I was here when I was actually in the World Trade Center when the first incident happened. I was there a week prior to that incident happening and I had a bad feeling about the World Trade Center Towers then. Mm. So anyway, when 9-11 happened, I, I had a girlfriend I was living with that day and uh, that morning, I got up actually at 4.44 in the morning. You know, people know a lot of these things with the triple yes. digits as angel time. And, but for some reason I had this funny feeling something was not going to be right in the world that day. And then when I went back to sleep and I got up and I had, I had a, at the time I had a little new age bookshop myself in Florida in Fort Myers, Florida with my friend Janet, who is a colleague who's since passed away. And uh, I, to try to make the long story short, so my phone was off, my cell phone, it was one of those flip phones and Nokia's at the time, and I was driving and the phone rang. And it was my girlfriend at the time and she said, hey, I answered, I pulled over to the side of the road, I'm like, that's weird that the phone was ringing and because it was off. And uh, she told me that a plane had hit the first, that the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. I told her that's impossible because it's a no-fly zone. You're not allowed to fly right. around there. But when she told me about the, the, the size of the hole in the building, I, right away I knew. I knew what the whole, I saw the whole story playing out. And I knew both those bills wouldn't come down. So anyway, two days later, when I get a phone, I was at this shop that I had, and uh, I was about to leave for the day. I had finished the readings, and a client of mine who lived part-time in Florida and part-time was a New Yorker up in the Westchester area had called me, and I answered the phone. She said, oh, Glenn, she said, did I catch a bad pass? I said, no, no, no. And I, right away I said to her, did you have someone pass in the World Trade Center? She said, yes, my brother. I said, hold on, hold on. And I hear this guy in my head going, my name is George, and he's telling me he worked in the World Trade Center tower with the antenna on top, and he was, he was up in the hundred, you know, low hundred, uh, in the hundreds of the building. So when I told her, she said, yes, yes. And she said, he told me that his wife was on the extension phone with his sister. And the wife said hello to me. And I said, I'm sorry. He, they thought he was possibly still alive, buried under the rubble. I said, no, no, he, he's, he mm -hmm. was deceased. Now, what's kind of really weird to kind of give you the whole thing? In that moment, because people were still searching for their loved ones, yes. they were alive, he said to me, I'll never forget this as long as I live, he said to me, this is the only way they'll know I'm alive. Because he explained to me he was in the first World Trade Center bombing. He told me, I was blown to smithereens. Okay. And I'm listening. I go, I can't say that to your wife and sister. He goes, you don't understand. 
he was nice about it. He said, they'll know for sure it's me because I would use that kind of lingo. Oh. And when I told them that, they started to chuckle. They actually laughed. They cried and they laughed. They said, that's definitely him because he oh. when, when he came home from the first World Trade Center bombing in 93, he told his wife, I was almost blown to smithereens. He used those exact words. Right. So wow. uh, him in particular, I, I dealt with him, this guy George, for quite a while. Even to this day, sometimes he'll still come and visit me and give me like little chit chats and just myself. But when I worked mm. with his family for a while, there was so, I mean, I could go into a whole story about him. If I was going to write a book, I could write, he, he would be one chapter in itself. Okay. And all the stuff anyway, that, but he, that he gave through those readings that I read for his family members, things there was no way I could know, mm -hmm. things that, that would, maybe somebody like a sister who couldn't validate, she would ask another sister and the sister would validate it. That I think they knew, despite that tragedy, that love was still very much alive. And this guy, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you something really quick about George. I asked him in that first reading, I go, are you angry at the people who did this? He said to me, no, I had no hatred for any person on earth at all. He wasn't prejudiced towards anybody. And they told me that he really was like that. He didn't have that issue with people. Yeah. So he wasn't mad. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. So even though we lose people and sometimes with real quick, tragic accidents, um, they're still existing and you know for me it's really sharing with you again when people are at the end of life many times the person who's leaving who's dying is ready to go and is the most healthy I often say this is the most healthy in the room it's the family that's a mess and of course we don't talk about end of life and we don't share these kind of conversations so we don't know that there's that available to us, and I think it's really important for us to do it. And the fact that we can tie it into science, I think, really validates and makes it very special. So with that, I want to announce that we're going to be doing a very special collaboration. So we are going to be doing a one-day workshop August 24th in New York City, and it's going to be called Heaven on Earth. And what that is, is it's going to be the life class that I teach. It's going to take the spiritual aspect of it. It's really going to be showing you how, based in science, your vibrational level, you're in charge of. And you can change that with how you feel, how you think, and other ways, again, being open and receptive, unconditional loving, non-judgmental, and then we're gonna do that. And at the end of that day, Glenn is gonna come in and he's gonna see if there are messages from past loved ones that, that he would like to then give to the people that are here in the workshop. So it's gonna be a combination. It's called Heaven on Earth because if you believe that it is a vibration, heaven is right here and accessible to us. You see it in the flowers, you see it in nature, you see it in animals, and you can see it with your loved ones and friends. So we want to show you how you can access that here. So again, it will be at 9 o'clock all day on the 24th. The, we only have a limited number of spaces, so I'm going to put a link below where you can send us an email if you are interested in coming. It'll be August 24th, Heaven on Earth, a one-day workshop of healing, hope, and happiness. So I want to thank you so much. And can you tell thank people, you. you're welcome. Can you tell people where they can get in touch with you if they would like to follow up? Sure, they can go directly to my website, which is named after me. It's Glenn with two N's, Klausner, K-L-A-U-S-N-E-R.com. Okay, and I'm going to put that link down below as well. So thank you, Glenn, so you're much. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you a, too, Suzanne. I love you so much. Thank I love you, so you much. too. All right, you guys, I'll see you in the next episode of Ask a Death Doula. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ask a Death Doula. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a raving review. Subscribe, share, and send your questions. See you in the next episode.